morning, Hopevale. Will you please stand and join with us as we sing to our King this morning? Beautiful morning. We're so glad you're here.
praise you this morning. We lift up your name and we sing to the King. God, we are coming with open arms and open minds and open hearts and just just ready to receive you, God. We praise you. We worship you. We celebrate you this morning. And we are so, so thankful for all you have given us. In your name we pray. Amen. Good morning. We are so glad you're here. Uh, Before you have a seat, if you could welcome the person next to you. It's called the meet and greet. So if you could meet and then greet or greet and then meet. I feel like it could go either way. So whatever feels best, whatever feels most comfortable. Hey everyone, I'm Jody Quinn and I'm the kids lead director here at Hopevale. And I'm Rob Quinn. I'm the preteen ministry director. And in case you didn't know, something really cool happened here at Hopevale this summer. We had our first summer FX and FX means family experience in case you didn't know. And it was awesome. In our next gen ministries, we want to help create environments where we can have fun family experiences. That is how kids can grow even more when we have fun over time. And that's exactly what we did at Summer Effects. We took time to have meals together, we worshiped together, we played games together, and we learned about the Bible. We then created times for families that were moms and dads, grandparents, and even neighbors, along with the kids they brought to have conversations about their faith. We'd like to share with you a few of the things that some of our families shared with us about Summer Effects. The Hales family said that Summer FX was a much calmer experience than Bible Camp has been before. We were able to connect with other families and really enjoy worshiping with our kids. The Schrems family let us know that they loved the connection they were able to make as a family. It was nice for them to be able to put their phones down, spend time together. This was their favorite year out of the 10 years they've become in Hopevale. Wow. And the Stutzman family, they said, we love the opportunity to have intentional family conversations about Jesus and baptism. It was truly special sharing that with our children. It was also really humbling to be able to watch the kids worship that have that childlike faith. It really puts into perspective when you reflect on your own life and the relationship you have with the Lord. It brought it back to basics for them and remember that despite the difficulties and ups and downs of life, our relationship with Christ is so easy. Yeah. Not only did we have a lot of fun, but let us tell you about a little bit of how God actually worked that week. We had four people hear about Jesus for the first time and one of them was an adult. Wow. And we had 11 people accept Christ as their savior. We have families wanting to be baptized together. Over 13 kids have told us that they want to be baptized. And we have 30 kids who want to learn more about what baptism means. And we even have families that want to be baptized together. What an amazing way for Hopevale to be four families. Thank you so much for supporting our next generation of leaders and their families so they can continue to learn and grow about Jesus. Bye. Oh, so awesome, right? Yeah. I absolutely love I love what God is doing in families here at Hopevale. I'm Sam. I'm the Next Generation Pastor. And part of my role here is I get to work with Rob and Jody and and pulling off these kind of events. And so I just, these kind of videos just make my heart warm. And no, it's not summer anymore. We know that. Um, But just to be able to to look back at an event like that and say, man, what did God do? That is so awesome. Well, welcome to Hopevale here this morning. If you are visiting with us, we want to say a very special welcome to you. Um, And if you wouldn't mind, as you came in, you got a program. 
Um, if you would fill out the card that's on the bottom there, just to kind of give us a record of, hey, I was with you guys today. Um, we would love that. And there's two ways you can turn that in as the offering plates go by. You can uh, tear that off and you can put it in the offering plate. Or you can go out to the Welcome Center after the service and you can put it, um, give it to them. And they actually have a special gift for you just to say, hey, thanks so much for being here. Um, one of the things they reference in that video is baptism. And so maybe you're here and you're like, hey, I want to know more about baptism. And so we actually have classes this Friday and this Saturday. If you want to know more about baptism, if you want to get baptized here at Hopevale, uh, Friday night, they're from 6 to 8.30. And Saturday morning, they're from 9 to 11.30. And then the service for baptism is on November 10th. And so if you want to know more information about baptism, if you want to get baptized here at Hopevale, um, you can sign up online, go to hopevale.org slash baptism, or you can sign up on the Welcome Center for that. Well, as the ushers come forward this morning to receive this morning's offerings, I, I just want to say um, events like our Summer FX, they happen because um, of your faithful giving and because of your generosity. And so I just want to say, way to go, church. Thank you for making something like that um, available and making it happen. You're giving matters, and you are making a difference in the lives of families so that they can know and follow Jesus better. So with that being said, let's go to God in prayer. God, we just thank you so much for stories of life change with families. And I just was struck as I was watching the video, um, just to think of families coming together and the next generation being affected um, by, by who Jesus is and, and kids saying, I want to know and follow Jesus in a better way. And families saying, we want together to know and follow Jesus. And God, we just, we love that. And it's the heartbeat of our church. It's for people to know and follow Jesus. And it's so exciting to hear stories like that. And God, as we give, we know that you're going to make many, many, many more stories like that happen. And so we give out of a generosity of heart, knowing that, that you're going to do that. And we are excited to partner with you in that here today. God, we love you, and all of this is for you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can remain seated as we continue in worship and as continue with the offering. Um, this next song is really just about the enduring love of God and our enduring need to, to praise him and, and, and worship him. So, Brittany. the be 
Psalm 34 says this. It says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul makes its boast in the Lord. Let the humble hear and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he answered me and delivered me from all my fears. Those who look to him are radiant and their faces shall never be ashamed. This poor man cried and the Lord heard him and saved him out of all of his troubles. The angel of the Lord encamps around those who fear him and delivers them. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. I love that because we were just able to sing, you know, Jesus, your praise will ever be on my lips. And then at the end of that section of verses, it says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. We're going to step into a time of communion where we quite literally will taste and see that the Lord is good. And uh, we get to do that once a month here at Hopevale. And what we say around here at Hopevale is that you don't have to be a member of Hopevale to partake. We just ask that you are a follower of Jesus Christ, that at some point in time in your life, you made a decision and said, I want to follow Jesus. I acknowledge that Jesus died on the cross for the forgiveness of my sins and he rose again. And that's, that's what binds us together and that's what this is about. It's a remembrance of that. And so um, if that's you, we would invite you to partake with us. If, if you um, would not define yourself that way, then what we would ask is that you would just, as the elements go by, you would just let them go by. And we do that for a couple reasons. Number one, because of just the significance of what it means for us here. Um, but also, we wouldn't want you to participate in just, a, just another ritual um, that has no meaning to you. Um, but what we, we would ask, um, and, and we've asked this almost on a, on a monthly basis, maybe even on a weekly basis, is that would you consider who Jesus is for you? There have been many times in settings like this where we have been remembering the death of Jesus, where people came face to face with who Jesus is in their life and took a step of faith and crossed the line and says, I believe I want to follow Jesus with my life. And so we would just ask, would you consider who Jesus is to you? If you're a parent of a younger child and, and you're trying to figure out and navigate that and they're kind of asking about that, this would be a perfect time to have a great conversation with them, but we would just trust that you would use your parental judgment on that. Um, if if they're ready for it, then they're more than welcome to participate with us. And uh, this could also be, uh, be a great time for you to have a great conversation with them about what it means to know and to follow Jesus. And so as the ushers come forward um, to, to uh, hand out the elements, um, we're going to go to God in prayer. And as they hand it out, just a, a quick word of instruction, there are going to be two cups. One will have a bread, the bread in it and then the other cup on top of it that has the juice in it. And you just grab both of those cups out of the plate as they go by. So as we prepare to do that, let's go to God in prayer. God, we, we want your praise to be ever on our lips. God, we, we want to acknowledge who you are. We want to acknowledge your son, Jesus, and his death on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And so we pause this morning in our, in our, um, in our worship service to do that, to remember. Jesus, you said as often as we do this, we should do this in remembrance of you. And so we do that this morning. We remember your death on the cross. We remember your resurrection and we want to lift that up and we want to acknowledge that in a big way today. So God, may we never rush by this. May we never do this, um, this thing called communion in a, a space of just kind of complacency or um, and just kind of rush by it and not think of the significance of it. But may it cause us to pause. May it cause us to stop and to reflect on, on what you did on the cross those thousands of years ago. And God, we, we say thank you so much for the gift of your grace, a gift that is free, but a gift that was not cheap. And so God, as we do this today, we do this in remembrance of you. In Jesus' name.
Amen. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he was gathered together in the upper room with his disciples. They were celebrating the Passover meal together. And a part of that meal was some unleavened bread and, and wine. And so Jesus stood at, while they're in the middle of that meal and he grabbed the bread and he, he broke it and he handed it out to his disciples. And he said to them, he said, as long as you eat this, this is my body. As long as we eat this bread, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this, eat this in remembrance of me.
later in that same meal, he took the cup and he said, I'm, I'm doing something new. I'm going to establish a new covenant with you. This, this is the new covenant in my blood. As long as you drink this, do this in remembrance of me. Can we, um, can we pray the Lord's Prayer together and then we'll pray a prayer of thanksgiving and keep going with our service. Let's pray this together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. God, we thank you so much for a time where we can remember the death of your son Jesus on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. And God, we, we are so grateful that you have extended that grace to us. So God, if there's someone here who maybe doesn't know you in that way, doesn't understand that grace, God, I pray that they would take a step of faith today, maybe that the Holy Spirit would enlighten their hearts to have faith and to, to move in that way. God, we thank you for just an opportunity to remember your son Jesus today, in Jesus' name. among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son of God, full of grace and truth. We focus a lot on the grace and truth here at Hopevale, but today as we prepare to continue and go deeper in our Life with Christ series, I want to take just a moment and focus on the word became flesh part of that passage. The Greek translation of the word in this passage is logos, meaning a message. God's message became flesh. Jesus made his dwelling among us. And God's desire to, to reach us through Jesus, that is the, the total message. And I just, I want to challenge you today to, to sort of ask, are we listening to that message? Are we spending time in prayer, in worship, in reading scripture, and are we doing so with an open heart, an open mind, and open to what God is trying to say to us? In the same way that we take communion, the blood, and the body of Christ, let us also take God's word. As we think about living with Christ, 168, God's word, 168, try to think beyond our own actions, our own desires, our own intent, and instead just listen to what God's intent is for our lives. Beyond everything else, let God's word, our Savior, speak into our lives today. Myself at a loss. 
funny thing is It's okay The last thing I need Is to be heard And but to hear
Good morning, Hopel. Great morning of worship on this last Sunday in September, Communion Sunday. Uh, hello, Bay City as well. Great to have you uh, on board with us today. Uh, it was great for me and some of our other pastors and elders to be with you last Tuesday night at the Ministry Center, just connecting, talking about what's happening out there. Love to see God working in Bay City. Uh, for both campuses, because this is a Communion Sunday, we have a prayer with elders and church leaders after the service that if you want prayer for something in your life, just join us in Saginaw. It's uh, in the hub, just outside the lobby in Bay City. It's just down there up front, and you'll hear more about that. But again, an opportunity for us to live out the commands of Scripture to pray for one another. Well, today we are continuing our seven-week series titled simply Life, right? Life with a capital L, the only kind of life that can fill the hole in your soul. The only kind of life that can give you true meaning, deep purpose, lasting fulfillment, and peace. Everlasting peace within and peace with God. It's the kind of life described by Jesus in the theme verse for our series, John 10, 10. Jesus says, I have come that they may have life capital L Life, and have it to the full. But this is a series about Jesus and the capital L Life that only he can bring us. It's a series about you and me entering into that life by knowing Jesus personally and then experiencing as much of that life as possible as we follow Jesus fully. And it's a series about this church and how we can help you along the way. And so to explain how that happened last week, I introduced this life model, right? How do we experience as much of the life that Jesus has for us? Well, Jesus came, died, and rose again so that we could enter into life and experience that life to its fullest. And it starts at the core. It starts with life with Jesus and builds out from there as we live our lives to life with people and life with purpose, life with Jesus Life with people, life with purpose. Say those three with me. Life with Jesus, life with people, life with purpose. And so the more that you and I can enter into life by knowing Jesus personally and experience more of that life out of the core of life with Jesus, right? That's where we begin and we work our way out. Like I said last week, this isn't a checklist, right? That once you're done with the first thing, you move on to the second. No, you start with Jesus and you stay with Jesus as the center of your life. To have Jesus as the center of your life is what it means for him to be your Lord, and so then with that model in place, we started then by looking at the core in a little greater detail last Sunday. And we said there were a couple statements that defined life with Jesus. The first that we looked at last week was to glorify Jesus in everything, right? That pursuing life with Jesus means we glorify him in everything. That because he is our Lord, our King, we reorient our lives entirely to glorify, to honor, to worship Jesus in everything we say and do and think and feel. But here's the key. We do so not out of a motivation of guilt. No, we do so as a motivation of grace and gratitude, right? Grace and gratitude, as Paul tells us in 2 
Corinthians. We're no longer living for ourselves. We're no longer living for our own glory. That shouldn't drive us anymore. No, now we are compelled. That's the word Paul used. Compelled by the love of Jesus to live for the one who died for us and rose again. And so as we are fueled by grace and gratitude, glorifying Jesus and everything has both collective and personal implications. Collectively, it's what we do on Sunday mornings, right? That we gather together for one hour on Sunday and share with a primary purpose of glorifying Jesus and everything, right? Jesus, the eternal son of God, the savior of mankind, as we observe through communion today. So through the music, through the giving, through the prayer, through the, the, the message, we're trying to get our heads and our hearts and our lives back in the right place, right? Which is living humbly and gratefully before the king of kings and the Lord of lords. That is the power of this one hour. But then there are also these personal pieces, right? And what you do personally, the other 167 hours of your week, right? That's a glorified Jesus in your life. It's this radical countercultural notion that life with Jesus isn't just a compartment of your life. It's the core of your life. It is a comprehensive approach so that Jesus isn't just Lord over the Sunday morning me. No, he's also Lord over the weekday me, and he is Lord over the Friday night me. So in that sense, you know, what we do in this one hour on Sunday isn't any more special or sacred than the rest. No, that listening to a friend, showing up for your shift, doing your homework, driving your child to soccer practice, shopping for groceries, laughing with genuine joy, it all matters. It does. These are all opportunities that you and I are given to glorify Jesus and everything. And that's why this, this concept of living 168, 24 hours a day, seven days a week is so big for us here at Hopevale. That the call to glorify Jesus and everything means every hour of your week and every area of your life. Faith, family, friends, finances, work, play, you name it, that we're thinking, we're praying, God, how can I bring you the greatest glory in this opportunity? What would honor you? And that's true whether it's the mountaintop of a mission trip or the valley of unemployment, right? That every area of our life is an opportunity to glorify Jesus. Whatever you do, the Apostle Paul says, do it all for the glory of of God. And so as visible and tangible reminders last Sunday, we reintroduced you to these 168 decals that many of you already have that, you know, you can put on the back of your phone as a statement that Jesus is Lord over all our lives. And then last week we introduced these big and bad boys right here, right? That some of you I've seen around town have already put on the back of your car or your windshield. And so if you missed either of those last week, we have those available at our welcome centers on both campus, Living 168 for the Lord. Let me just head this, that if stickers aren't enough for you and you wanna take 168 to the next level, then maybe this picture will give you some inspiration. Take a look, (laughs) right? People, this is not Photoshopped. This is like the real deal. A couple guys in our church a couple years ago on their own initiative got these 168 tattoos on the inside of their forearms. Isn't that great? What a statement. And in case you're wondering, around the 168 are lyrics from uh, In Christ Alone, Till He Returns or Calls Me Home. 
And it's this mindset, Lord, as long as you have me here on this earth, I want to live for your glory every hour, my week, every area of our life. I got to tell you, I was really tempted that out in the lobby, set up a couple tattoo stations, right? (laughs) Get you guys inked up after the service, right? But I'm going to leave that one to you, okay? Just, Just one request, okay? Nothing on the lower back, okay? No, if you're going to do it, do it tastefully, okay? But focus, focus. So back, we start at the core here, right? Life with Jesus to glorify everything we do. And as part of building that core, I want to spend the rest of our time talking about the second aspect of life with Jesus, and that's this, to grow as a Jesus follower, to grow as a Jesus follower follower, that if you and I are going to have any movement towards experiencing even more of the life that Jesus has for us, then we need to grow as followers of Jesus. That's what we're going to look at, what it means to grow as a Jesus follower and how we as a church can help you do that. So what does that mean? Well, when you look at the life of Jesus in the four Gospels of the New Testament, right, these biographies of Jesus written by Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, They show Jesus using a particular term over and over again of him describing what it means to be a follower of his. And when I say over and over again, it's over 250 times that we see Jesus speaking of a particular term, and that term is this, a disciple. And a disciple is a Jesus follower. Now, this is a word, disciple, that we don't hear much outside the church world, but when we do, it's often used to describe a fan or an enthusiastic follower of someone in politics or business or entertainment or sports or technology or research, right? For instance, I've, I've seen over the years in the news, speaking of enthusiastic supporters of both President Obama and President Trump as enthusiastic followers. An enthusiastic follower is a good place to start, but it's not enough because a disciple is also a committed learner. That when you go back in Jesus' day, that's how they would have understood the word even more. A committed learner. But not a learner in the way that you and I might think about it in 2019. Let me explain. See, back in first century Judaism, that's what Jesus would have grown up in. All young Jewish males were required to formally study the Torah or the Hebrew scriptures up to the age of 13. And then after that, they would take the most talented of the bunch, and they would have been encouraged to continue their studies in even greater depth at the local synagogue and through the rest of their teenage years. And then from that pool, the most brilliant would go on to become a disciple of one of the great rabbis, religious teachers of the day. But when I say a disciple or a student, don't picture one of these disciples just sitting in a classroom or a lecture hall. No, think about disciple more like an apprentice, right? A job shadow where these select students would do life with their master. And so yes, they would continue to study the sacred scrolls. They would get in rigorous discussions with their rabbis over what these passages meant, how they applied to real life situations. But even beyond that, these students would literally follow their rabbis wherever they traveled. And they would observe, they would learn from the interactions in the synagogue, in the marketplace, you name it, 
You know, watching, learning, much like a, a plumbing or an electrical apprentice would learn on the job by watching their mentor. Does that make sense? That a disciple is much more than a fan, an enthusiastic follower, right? No, they are a committed learner in the fullest and most holistic sense with what? With the goal of becoming just like their master. So actually, if you think about a disciple, it's not just an enthusiastic follower, it's not just a committed learner, but it is also a devoted imitator. Disciple wants to be like their master. That's how people would have understood the term back in Jesus' day. Disciples, including those 12 misfits of his, right? They weren't the cream of the crop, but they left everything they had and knew to follow Jesus as his disciples. I realize we don't live in first century Judaism, but the concept for Christians following Jesus as his disciples has carried on for the last 2,000 years in Christendom and is still with us today. And so we hear these words from Jesus that don't lower the bar, they raise the bar. Matthew 16, verse 24, verse 25, Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple, my follower, my learner, my imitator, must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me, right? It's this whole idea of being all in and not half-hearted as a follower of Jesus. Not motivated by guilt, remember, motivated by grace and gratitude. But it's self-denial, it's self-sacrifice in order to pursue the greater good, believing that Jesus has a greater good for us. Verse 25, for whoever wants to save their life, hold something back, right? Will lose it. But whoever loses their life, let's go. For me, Jesus says, will find it. You know, it's interesting if you've been in this series that the word Jesus uses here for life is actually a third Greek term. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about bios, physical existence. We talked about zoe, meaning and purpose. This is somewhere in between. It's the word psyche. It's where we get like, psychology, psychiatry. And that word kind of means, you know, life and soul and being purpose. In other words, the entirety of who we are. What Jesus is getting at, if we hold a part of who we are, right, and not give him the entire, we hold that back and we cling to it because we think it'll give us more life than Jesus can give us, then we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on the capital L life that he came to bring us. The kind of capital L life that only the Son of God, the creator of this universe, can give. And so it's when we surrender anew to Jesus, our lives, and every single part of it, because we want to grow as followers of his, that's when we enter into even deeper and experience more of this capital L life. So it goes like this. You hold, out, hold back, you miss out, but you let go and you will gain in the end. And yeah, I know it goes against every protective instinct, every me first impulse we have, right? But Jesus says, this is how the life of a disciple works. Whoever wants to save their life and be really protective and hold back, is gonna lose it, is gonna miss out. Whatever loses their life, trust Jesus that he has something even better for us and let's go. We'll find, discover, and experience that life in the end, this is what it means to be a disciple, a follower, a learner, an imitator of Jesus, right? So what, you, what do you and I then need to do 
to grow as Christians? How can we do that to better imitate our Lord? Well, for starters, I want to paint a word picture for you. And I know it's one that I've used before, so if you've heard this, hang on with me. But I mean, to me, it's really good about how growth, how movement, how progress in the Christian life works and where the power and the strength and the energy and the desire for that to happen, where it comes from, right? The imagery is from the world of boating. So picture with me these three types of boats, right? Rowboats, speedboats, sailboats. How do they move? Well, a rowboat is all effort. It's all up to me. I work, I move. I don't work, I don't move. Speedboat is the exact opposite, right? I mean, there's no, maybe apart from steering or shifting, but there's no effort or energy exerted on all, our part. It all comes from the engine. Sailboat, well, that's different, isn't it? We have to work at sailing. It's not that our effort moves the boat forward, but our effort, right, it captures the power that propels the boat. Our effort does not create movement, but it captures the power to move forward. So let's translate that into the world of spiritual growth, because I have seen Christians try all three approaches, but only one of these is biblical. So take the rowboat, right? All me, no God, that it is all up to me. It's the idea that, yes, I might have been saved by grace, but from there, it's all up to me and how hard I try, that any progress depends on me, me showing up to church, me keeping the rules, me trying and trying and trying. Interestingly enough, the Apostle Paul condemns this kind of thinking in the book of Galatians, right? He said, you started by the Spirit, now why is it you think it's all up to you, right? But also this one, this is the exact opposite, thinking that I grow because it's all up to God and I don't have to do anything. So the idea that I'm saved by grace and if I were to do any effort after that, then that's just legalism. But that's a wrong kind of mindset. See, this is the power, and I'm so glad I get to talk about this on Communion Sunday. Right? That we don't work to gain a relationship with God. But our work can help grow a relationship with God. Your effort doesn't gain you a relationship with God. That's what the cross is about. That's what the empty tomb is about. But your effort can grow your relationship with God, which really leads then to the third and only right approach, right? This picture of the sailboat. It is God's power with my cooperation, right? The power to move forward comes from God, not me, right? That's what propels me forward in the Christian life. But it does take effort on my part. It takes relying on something that I cannot see to cooperate with the change that God wants to bring about in me, right? And so with my effort, I have to work with, not fight against what God wants to do in my life. That's what's going to produce ongoing growth for my ultimate good. And so I love how the Apostle Paul describes this in the book of Philippians, chapter 2, verse 13 from the New Living Translation. For it is God working in you. And what does God do when he works in you? He gives you, I love this, he gives you the desire and the power to do what pleases him. He gives you the desire, the want to, I want to be a disciple of Jesus. And the power I'm able to, I'm able to overcome my selfishness and these deeply rooted patterns and habits in my life. 
that it's possible because of the Holy Spirit within us, that he is the one who encourages us, desire, who empowers us, power, right? To make us what? To make us more loving, more joyful, more peaceful, more patient. To make us more faithful to God, to give us greater self-control in the face of temptation, and on and on it goes. In other words, to become more and more like our Lord in everything, to be a disciple, So, the power to grow as a Jesus follower comes from God, but it does, doesn't it? Takes effort, takes reliance on our part to see it happen. So I like to describe spiritual growth this way. It is cooperation and transformation, right? How we grow as Christians, it is a spiritual transformation and we need to cooperate with that. Cooperation and transformation. So as great, full, and grace-filled Christians... What does that cooperation with God look like? What do you and I need to do? How can we as a church help you in that? Well, that's where we're going to spend the rest of our time. And to do so, I want you to think about these two words, okay? That when it comes to growth, two words, very important. We need to learn. We need to obey. We need to learn. We need to obey. We need to learn. We need to obey. Both are important. Both represent our cooperation with God's transformation. So let's tackle them one at a time. First, learn. Learn has to do with what I know, right? What I know. Now I realize that for some of you who might not have had the greatest experience in school growing up, right, that learn can be a trigger word, and I'm serious. Like you you cringe when you hear it because it brings back all these negative school memories, right? where you felt stupid and parents and teachers came down on you because you weren't measuring up to their experience, right? And so you hear the word and you just go, oh, you shut down, right? Learning, yuck. Well, if that's been your experience, I want to make learning great again for you, okay? I do. Because here's the thing about learning or apprenticing with Jesus, right? We do so in order to grow as a Christian. There are no grades, There's no standardized testing. There's no comparison with others. And here's the best part. Your acceptance by Jesus isn't tied to your level of knowledge, how much or how little you know, right? It's by grace. It's not by how much you know. Listen, I know that coming to church can be pretty intimidating. I know that some of you have shown up for the first time and who knows, or or maybe you've never been to church before. And it can feel really intimidating as you hear all this about the Bible where it feels like everyone else around you knows so much and you know so little or nothing at all. Listen, your starting point where you are today doesn't really matter to this learning quotient as a Jesus follower because it's not about where you are right now, it's about the direction you're heading. So are you willing? Are you desiring to want to learn more to grow as a Jesus follower? Do you want to? And are you actually going to do something about it. Now, the fact that you're in church here on Sunday is a great start, right? Tells me, oh, yeah, God has something for me, right? So what exactly is it that you and I need to learn then? Well, at risk of oversimplification, I think we need to learn um, what to believe and how to behave. What to believe as a Christian, how to obey as a Christian. Doctrine and duty. So you think about something like prayer, right? Both these are important, what to believe. We need to know as we see in scripture that God, our God is a loving, generous, heavenly father. 
and that he longs to hear our prayers. And it just, he delights in answering our prayers. He really does. We also need to know that this same God is almighty. He's all-powerful. He's absolutely able to do whatever he wants for us, right? We need to know that about prayer. We need to know that about God. But then we also need to know how to pray, right? And as you read in the scripture, you learn some things like that prayer is less about our words and more about our hearts. It's less about our performance. It's more about our honesty. And that prayer is about things like faith and trust and patience and persistence. And that, you know, God's answers to prayer aren't just yes and no, but sometimes. His answers are not now, not yet. We may not understand why he says not now, not yet. But I think God wants to grow us in the waiting. And God uses the waiting in our lives to grow us. And as we grow, guess what? In the waiting, we experience more of this capital L life that Jesus wants us to enjoy. What we believe, how to behave, right? There's always so much more we can learn as followers of Jesus. So let's talk about Hopevale and how we can help you do that. First of all, for us grown-ups here, we have special uh, study groups right, where we get into the Bible as part of our group life ministry here at Hopevale. Now, next Sunday, we're going to talk a lot more about group life next week. But for now, let me just tell you about a few learning opportunities, right? Different times of the year, we offer a class called Foundations. Foundations covers the basics of Christianity. It is a great first step for those of us who feel like we know very little about the Bible. Foundations. Then at the other end of the spectrum, at a more advanced level, we have a women's Bible study that meets here in Saginaw during the second hour of the service. We also have study groups for men and women that meet during the week on Wednesday nights here in our Saginaw campus in conjunction with a ministry called Bible Study Fellowship, which is open to other churches as well, right? Learning, growing. Then beyond uh, Bible study groups. We also have another great learning tool that some of you are aware of and take advantage of called Right Now Media. Right Now Media is uh, a video streaming service, kind of like Christian Netflix in the sense that you can pull it up anywhere, anytime, on your phone, on your iPad, on your computer, on your TV at home. But unlike Netflix, it's not for entertainment, it's not for escape, it's for education, it's for inspiration, it's for encouraging, it's for equipping, right? And there literally is this great library of resources for adults, kids, families, right? And the best part is it's free, no strings attached. If you're part of the Hopevale family, you get to enjoy this resource for free. Now, a couple ways you can sign up if you haven't already today. If you're part of our database, we're sending out an email that has simple instructions for you to click, click a link. Say that 10 times. Click a link. Click a link. Okay, yeah, wow. Push the button is what I meant to say, yeah. Sign up and you'll get on. And also you can go to our website, right, hopevale.org slash right. Great resources. And I got to tell you, as an aside, what I love about Right Now Media is it's for all ages, but some of the best stuff there is for kids. It's for kids and families to share. You know, and speaking of kids, we've got a lot of great stuff happening for Hopevale Kids Ministries on both campus. I'm so proud of Jody and her team in Saginaw, Megan and her team in Bay City. 
because parents are equipped with resources like this, the, the, the parent queue that goes home with parents, the God time sheets that are available to take discussions further, or, or one of the things that I really love too are these mealtime conversation questions where during the week parents and kids can just talk about what they're learning at church. Again, resources to what? to learn, whether you know a lot or a little, just great stuff. Here in Saginaw, too, as part of Resourcing Parents and Family, Jody and her team just launched a family resource wall in the Kidsman area. Get a picture of that here, right? This is for birth through uh, sixth grade, right? Full of takeaways, handouts, and other things that, again, parents... We know it's just so overwhelming, so intimidating to raise children in the Lord this day and age. And again, we want to partner with you in that, right? So good. And so if you've got a child, again, birth through sixth grade and you're in Saginaw, make it a point to go over there, check it out, right? So much more we do, right? I'm just scratching the surface, sharing all this. But there should be in us a desire to learn to grow, because that's what it means to be a disciple, a follower, a learner, an imitator. And yet learning is just half the equation, because the other half is even more important. There's not just what I know, but the other half is what I do with what I know, right? Obedience, what I do with what I know. During his earthly ministry, Jesus said, blessed are those who hear the word of God and obey it. It's the very point he was making at the end of the Sermon on the Mount when he tells the, the parable of the wise and foolish builders, right? Hear and obey. Because Jesus knew something about us. This is what he knew, that if we keep taking it all in and we never work it out, that it's actually harmful to our faith. Taking it all in and never working it out. It's why the Apostle Paul says, knowledge alone puffs up, can make us egotistical but love builds up. And so as an accumulation of Bible knowledge, right, that's not the goal, no. That as an enthusiastic follower, as a committed learner, we are also a devoted imitator. We are acting on and living out what we learn in Jesus. Now, if we're gonna be honest, this obeying, that's the hard part, right? It is. Deny yourself. Take up your cross, follow me, Jesus says. Right? Letting go, surrendering, losing our life, right? But we need to remember it's a pathway to experiencing even greater capital L life in Jesus. That is the blessing of obedience, and it's why that promise in Philippians 2.13 of God working in us, giving us the desire and the power to follow him is so good to do what pleases him, learn and obey. Now here's the thing, what obedience looks like for you today and this week is gonna look different than the person sitting next to you. I can't tell you what your next obedience challenge is gonna be. All I can tell you is that, you know, what you know is not enough for you to grow as a Jesus follower. It's also what you do with what you know. Here again, this is where the 168 concept comes in, right? Because for some of us, the obedience challenge has to do with life here in church. 
For others of us, it's life at home, life in the neighborhood, life at school, life at work, life in finances, and on and on and on. Trust me, as long as you desire to follow Jesus, God is always going to give us one more obedience challenge in our life with Jesus. Now, I got to tell you that as a pastor here, I'm continually encouraged with the obedience victories I see in you, right? I get a, a front row seat to it in so many ways that you have stepped out in faith and trusted God and you've seen him show up in a big way where he gets the glory, right? So good. You know, one of the biggest areas where I get to see this, and you do too, is baptism. Obedience to the, command, to the examples of Jesus, the commands of Scripture, where you publicly proclaim your faith in Jesus as Savior and Lord, where you follow you know, what this model of death, burial, and resurrection in your new life in Jesus through believer's baptism. And I love when it happens. I mean, these are some pictures of recent baptisms. This is here in Saginaw. You know, grown-ups and kids as well. Right? Yeah. Really good. And then we had a baptism service in Bay City this summer. Outdoors brought the portable tank. This is what that looks like. And then also, this is a really cool story too, this next one. This is a gentleman who was ill that day and couldn't go in the water, and he's like, I want to be baptized, so we improvised, right? And baptized him right on the spot. Proclamation of life in Jesus. So cool. So cool. Between the two campuses, baptisms happen here multiple times a year. If you're interested in baptism as your next step, We'd love to talk with you. Again, you can connect with us at our welcome centers, or you can also get online and look up as well. I've given you a lot to think of, I know, right? A lot to pray through, a lot to process this week about what it means for you to grow as a Jesus follower. So just as I land the plane here, maybe to simplify things, I just want to leave you with two questions. Okay, I want to leave you with two questions. That if you're going to grow as a Jesus follower, here are your two questions. What are you learning these days? And how are you obeying these days? What are you learning these days? How are you obeying these days? And I added that these days at the end, because sometimes those of us who've been around for a while, we talk about what happened 10 years ago. Talked about what you know, we learned growing up. But there should be a newness and a freshness to what God is showing us in our faith, right? So take these questions, get before God, and just be honest with him. And if you're like, yeah, I could be doing more, just be honest with God. Or find a friend and talk about it with each other and say, would you pray for me? Just, I, I feel like I need to be learning. And again, not just facts, but how to live out my faith. Or God's showing me what to do. I just need to be able to obey. I want to do that, right? Because these questions lead to life. These questions help grow us as followers of Jesus, disciples of his. And as we do, this is where the core of life with Jesus is experienced and grows in us. Let's pray together. Jesus, thank you that when we talk about life with you, it begins for the life you laid down for us. So thank you for communion, this visual, tangible reminder 
that the eternal word, the Son of God, came, became one of us and laid down his life so that we could have capital L life to enter into that and to experience as much of it as possible. Forgiven life, abundant life, eternal life, a life free of condemnation, a life that is held securely and firmly in your hands. And with that, Lord, we want to grow. We don't want to coast. We don't want to be content with past glories. But we want to respond to the next thing that you have for us by learning and obeying. And God, thank you that we don't have to do that in a vacuum. You've given us each other. And so help us to encourage one another to spur one another on, as the scriptures say, to love and good deeds, that we may grow as your disciples, bringing you glory and experiencing your joy. None of this is possible without you, Jesus. You are our cornerstone. So we will stand firmly in who you are and all that you have done for us. In your name, Jesus, we pray. Amen. With that in mind, let's stand and respond in worship.
Jesus is our cornerstone. He laid down his life for us and he calls us to follow him. So let's do that by his grace with everything we've got. Uh, Like I said earlier, uh, we have elder prayer in the hub out in the lobby, uh, just outside these doors here. And if you want someone to pray with you, we'll have some church leaders there. Next week, we will continue our series and expand the circle and talk about life with people. But as you go from here, may you be rooted in the firm foundation of Jesus Christ, your cornerstone. God bless you.